Good morning, everybody. God is good. He's been giving us some wonderful weather. We had a beautiful week for March break, and now we're here together. And I want to welcome you to the house of the Lord. My name is Mona Stevens. I'm the lead pastor here. Welcome those that are online with us this morning. We are uh, continuing with a um, series called Run with Perseverance. Run with Perseverance. We know that the Bible gives us a lot of imagery um, to help us understand what our Christian walk is all about. We know that we have difficulties and challenges before us, and many of us sometimes don't know how to walk this journey of faith. And so we really felt the need to do this series called Run With Perseverance because we wanted to show you what God is saying in his word. So last week we talked about, we uh, used the author of Hebrews that talked about the Christian life is like an uh, athlete running a race in a stadium, straining forward and pressing on with endurance and perseverance to win a prize. And the challenge was before us to finish this race that was marked before us. And We don't want to lose heart, and we don't want to grow weary. And sometimes when we do do the persevering, we can lose heart, and we can grow weary. Do we not? When trials are intense, you know, I was just reading about a burden in particular that's called a protracted burden. It means it's a long-weighted, it's a long, a persistent burden that goes on for a long period of time. And sometimes when we are in these types of burdens, we kind of lose heart, and we are weary, and we lose focus, and we don't fight well. And do you know what I'm talking about? You know, sometimes we just get so tired. And so we need to learn. We need to learn how to run with perseverance. And this is what Hebrews 12, Hebrews 12, 1 to 3 says. It says, therefore... Since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the the race marked out for us. It's God that is marking out this race for us. And consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary or lose heart. We saw last week that we had, you know, there's a great cloud of witnesses. People have gone before us to show us how to model us, how to run this race, how to finish well. We know as well that we we can actually be entangled with things, you know, the burdens of the world, the troubles, the cares of the, the load that we carry. We can also be hindered by sin when we embrace and open doors that we shouldn't be opening doors. Like, you know, the door to bitterness, to unforgiveness, the door to moral failures, the door to a whole lot of different things. We know that God says, you're just but dust, but I love you. And I want to set before you a course that you will win to, rent, to, to run to win. And sometimes we lose sight. We lose sight of what God is saying. But Paul here, it's amazing because Paul uses it, I think, seven or nine times in the New Testament, this analogy of running the race. Now, he uses a whole bunch of other ones, and we see it in the gospel. We're salt. We are, you know, we're, we are light. We are ambassadors. We know that it's, it, he, he gives us a lot of illustrations. But this one here, he persists on because he mentions it almost seven times in the New Testament. And so he says in 2 Timothy 4, 7, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have 
kept the faith. See, Paul describes running and finishing the race of life in the context of a good fight. He fought what was important for him. It was his faith. He ran well by following Christ and running where he was directing him. And a lot of times, beloved, we don't persevere because we're, we're doing a lot of pushback. You know, God tells us, run this way, beloved, because his ways are better than our ways. But sometimes we're foolish enough to think that our ways are better. And then we find ourselves losing heart and becoming weary. And, and it's amazing how God never gives up on his people, eh? He continues to pursue. He draws us to him. He opens our eyes. He never gives up. And so for me, I, I, I see how Paul understands this concept of God's character and nature being faithful and being true to the people that he sent his son to die for. So he ran well. You see, he was true through it all. He trained his senses when he was actually in a low part of his life. He developed spiritual practices to keep him running that race until the finish. He walked skillfully in righteousness. That means he wanted to do, he knew the difference between right and wrong. He knew that his conscience before God and man was very important. So he fought hard to walk a godly life. So when you see him, he said, I've kept the faith. Paul calls us to be that focused, that intentional, and that, with that same characteristic to persevere. We have to go in, into strict training in order to understand what he's saying. In order for us to be resilient Christ followers in the days to come, we need to know that the beginning is great, but it's actually the long, the long run that really matters. I saw this quote where it says, beginning well is a momentary thing. Finishing well is a lifelong thing. It's the most significant race we will ever participate in if we are believers. See, when you listen to Paul again in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27, he says this. Again, another analogy of the running, running the race. He says, do, do you not know that in the race all the runners run, but only one receives a prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable uh, uh, wealth, but we an imperishable one. So I do not run aimlessly. I do, not, uh, I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Paul knew that runners needed focus, intent, strength, and perseverance. That ultimately our race was not a sprint, but a marathon. It was about a, the long haul. It was about no, no matter what goes on today, we still have to fix our eyes on the author and finisher of our faith. And sometimes we don't. We fix our eyes on the wrong things. And I, I love you know, what he was talking about. He says, I kept the faith. Now, so what keeps us from not keeping the faith? What keeps us from running, you know, aimlessly and, you know, beating the air? 
aimlessly. Why is it that we sometimes disqualify ourselves in this race? Because that's not what God's intent was for us. There was no way that he said, okay, now run the race, you're on your own, and if you make it, you make it, and if you don't, you don't. No, God doesn't say that. He said, I'm with you every step of the way. But I believe that maybe we might not know and understand what faith really means. Billy Graham says this, faith is total belief, a complete trust and confidence. The word faith here, here is the word pistis, which means it's the same word for belief in the New Testament. It's to be firmly persuaded and to come to a place of trust to be firmly persuaded. So Paul says, I kept the faith. That means I kept being per, you know, firmly persuaded that God is who he said he is, that Jesus did what he said he would do, and that I am not alone to run this race. He was firmly persuaded. I love this illustration by C.S. Lewis. Lewis. He talked about the illustration of uh, fact, faith, and feelings. He used the train analogy. He says, let us call the train engine facts, the facts of God's promises found in his word, the facts of his character and nature that are unmovable and unchanging. And then he says, let's call the next car the fuel car, and we will call that faith. That's where you put your trust in God and in his word and in his promises. And then the caboose, we'll call that feelings. As fuel flows into the engine, the train runs. It would be futile, of course, and ridiculous to attempt to pull the train by the caboose. Are you getting what he's saying? In the same way, as a Christian... We should not depend upon our feelings and our emotions to live a spirit-filled life. Rather, God wants you to simply place your faith in his trustworthiness and the promises of his words. Feelings are like the caboose, as he said. They are important, but they are designed to follow a life of faith and obedience. Feelings is not what I make my decision Faith is based on what God is trying to tell me in a certain situation, and then I have a choice to decide either doing it God's way or my way. We're faced with that choice every day. But you should never depend on feelings or seeking after an emotional experience to validate the facts because that will always cause you not to run well. When we run aimlessly, when we rely on our feelings more than the facts, when we choose to believe the wrong things and we put our our confidence in people instead of God, we will not finish our race well. The author of Good Boundaries and Goodbyes, which we're going to be starting next week in a course, she says this, and it's all about our core understanding of who God is and how he sees us. He says, the raw truth is we, uh, is we will always desperately want from other people what we fear we will never get from God. Are you getting that? The core issue is always about belief. When you fear God's provision is incomplete, you will remain unpersuaded that God will provide for you. And if you don't believe that God will provide for you, Will you go to him? Will you rely? Will you commit? Will you yield? Would you surrender to someone you don't trust? You don't. 
So many times faith, it really plays a good role. And that's why he says, I fought the fight, the good fight, and I've kept the faith. We need to decide to keep the faith. Leaving, when, we, when we are unpersuaded that God will provide, it leaves us relying on what we feel as opposed to what is the facts. When you persist in putting the caboose in front, as I said, you will never see the finish line and you will never, never really finish, the, well, finish the, the, fate, uh, the race well. See, the gospel of Jesus Christ is unchanging, regardless of my faith and my feelings or even my knowledge. That gospel is the engine which pulls my little life along. Even when my faith is small and minuscule, even when my feelings constantly want to jump me off that track, I have to remind myself that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when I do, what happens when those emotional rushes come, when the anxiety comes, when the uncertainty comes, I actually govern them. I actually put them in their place. Why? Because for a season, those emotions will feel that they are the runner of this train. But we have to remember that the engine of my train is God and God alone. And when we understand that, a sure foundation develops under your feet. You become unmovable. You become unchangeable in where you go to seek your answers. When you are firmly persuaded that God will actually give you all that you would need. Not what you think, what you feel, but what you need. Then what happens is that you will start committing all things to him. And as you run this race, faith will again flourish in your heart. You will desire to do the things that God has put before you. And you will understand that you don't want to run aimlessly in this race. You want to run well, strictly trained, understanding there is a line coming. There's the finish line coming. So the first reason that we run aimlessly and we box in the air for nothing and we don't obtain the price is that we might have a distorted faith. Or we might have maybe a deep, deep difficulty with unbelief. And unbelief is really, it comes to you at, the, at a point where you're unwilling to believe what the facts are saying. The engine is saying, this is who I am. I do not lie. I do not move. I keep my promises. Will you believe me? Faith says to me, I'm going to go to the facts instead of going to what I feel and what I'm going through today. So another reason we run aimlessly is that we have the wrong focus or perspective. Charles uh, Swindle says this, choose to view life through God's eyes. This will not be easy because it doesn't come naturally to us. We see it through our own grid, beloved. When we see life, we see through what we've gone through. If you've gone through a lot of trauma, it takes a lot of strict training not to run with what you feel. He says, no, this is not easy because it's not, it, it doesn't come natural. We cannot do this on our own. We have to allow God to elevate our vantage point. And the only way he says you can do this is by reading the word, by meditating on the Bible, by praying and asking God to transform your thinking. You know, I know sometimes I had some stinking thinking, and my husband would say, you know, that sounds like it's coming from the pit of hell. And I went, 
you know, and can't you have a little bit of compassion for me? But, you know, he was hearing my words, and my words didn't reflect what God had promised me. It didn't reflect what he was telling me in the word. So he was reminding me, don't let your caboose be in the front. Keep it where it belongs. Go to your facts. Go and bring captive these thoughts. Bring truth to these thoughts. And so I started praying, God, transform my thinking. And, you know, because we can't, but he can. Ask him to give you an eternal, a divine perspective. Because when you start having a divine perspective, you start looking at your training totally different. When you have a divine and eternal perspective, you start looking at your circumstances totally different. See, Colossians 3, 3, 4 says, Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. See, through Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, we have been separated from the old life of this world. And we now belong to a new heavenly life. We have a new life. That's the power of the gospel. God gives us a new identity. And he asks us to actually develop this newness of life with new patterns, new ways of thinking. He says, be this mind. You know, when he says, have the mind of Christ, that's what we have to do. We have to develop a different mindset. Our responsibility as we run is to seek those things above. That's God's heart, his perspective, in any given situation. But talk to me this morning. When things really happen, is God the first place you go to? Are you crying out, God, give me your heart for this? What's your perspective? Because I just feel anger right now, and I want to move in my anger. When we go forward to run this race, we have to change the way we perceive and the way we view. If we don't, we will always go back to the old identity, the old how we used to do life. So this will require of us that we think and perceive how to run this race differently. We can't run this race in our own strength. We know that. We heard that last week. But most of all, we need to understand that this race is not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It makes a big difference. Now, most of you don't know this, or maybe you do know this about me. I was a sprinter since grade three to grade eight. I won tremendous competitions because I was fast. I was fast because I believe where I came from, actually, it really started when I was a little girl. You know, we had to run through a park that was the English district, and we had to go to a French church. And my sister would say, listen, hold on to my hand. Don't let go. We're running. You can't stop. So I started at a very young age to run, (laughs) just like out of survival. And unfortunately, that survival mentality kept going, all right? And so, yeah, I'm Tigger running to and fro, and, and that mentality. Mentality sprinting, it's it really totally different than, a mar- than one that does the marathon. So I did that for, I became very good, and I did that from grade three and grade to grade eight. But in grade nine, I decided to move on and go to long distance running. And uh, let me tell you, I quickly recognized that they were not the same. 
They were not the same, but I was so stubborn. I wanted to prove what was reality <laughs> wrong. <laughs> and I wasn't really good the first semester and the next semester after that. The next year, I think I grew up a little bit and I started understanding I needed to change my perspective. I needed to train differently. I needed to look at things differently. So in the runner's world, sprinting and marathon, marathon races are, all, are on the opposite end of the spectrum, and it requires different skills. While both are challenging and require intense training, a sprint, listen to this, a sprint focuses on short term, covers short distance, and lasts for only a short few seconds. While the marathon focuses on the long run, covers miles, and may last for hours. Do you see the difference between those two? So the difference isn't about just about distance and time. It's also about the stamina that we require as runners. The runner in a sprint race, let's just say 100 meter, for example, pours all of his energy uh, into those few seconds of intense activity. And, and to cross the line. When they did cross the line, they were usually drained and exhausted. I remember being on the line, and you got to understand, I come from uh, the poor side of the tracks. So when I came to school, I had hand-me-downs, and for some reason, my feet grew bigger fast first. So I had these skinny little legs, but long feet. All right, so, <laughs> so I know it's hard to really see it, but... <laughs> Maybe not. And, but so here I was at the, at the starting line, and everybody would look at me. And you know when people look at you and go, yeah, what, what, what good can come from this girl? You know, she has holes in her shorts. Her, her running shoes are dirty. And she has these humongous feet. She'll trip over them. And, but I was so focused because, you see, I had something to prove. And I remember getting on that line, and every time that the – and I used to ask him, put me in the 400 meter. I went, no. And it, my coach knew, no. 100, 200, the relay race, that's fine, but you can't do the 400. Never really understood, but I think he knew that my mentality is, let's go quick, let's do this, I'm going to attack this, I'm going to do this. And he saw it. And so every time I would start, you know, the belt would go in, let me tell you, intense energy, I'm gone. Nobody would catch up to me. And it was just like everybody was so amazed that this little girl with the tiny little legs, big feet, won the race. Over and over and over again. So they started getting smart. And they started realizing she might not look the part, but she has the part. But you know, I look at all those years, I know why I was running. I was running to be validated. I was running to, be, to feel significant, to be loved, to be recognized. I'd missed that blessing. And so I learned how to do the sprinting very well. So when I started the marathon thing, I started understanding I really didn't have that mentality at all. Nothing long. You know, everything was instant. Now I want results right off the bat. Unfortunately, I brought that into my life. And so I was very discontent most of the time. I, I was swayed back to and fro with things happening because I never understood life takes time. Life requires patience, endurance, perseverance. Because the marathon runner, on the other hand, is so different than the sprinter. They carefully pace themselves, not using all of their energies in the early on in the race, but they measure it out 
and they maintain a steady rate of speed as long as possible. That's why the first year in doing it, I failed miserably because as soon as I heard the gun go, all what did I want to do? <laughs> Just sprint. And I can hear my coaches, no, Mona, <laughs> slow down. <laughs> and there's a thing that's called hitting the wall as a runner. And it happens to all of us because long distance require a lot of endurance, a lot of strength, a lot of stamina. For sp sprinters, you're only required to be fast. But long distance, I had to learn how to perceive things differently. I had to learn to train myself differently. I say this, and I, tr and I talk to you about this story, because when we are running long distance, it takes, like I said, endurance and perseverance, but we need to, we can compare this to our life, our, 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 our race of life. We can compare what God is showing us, what Paul is showing. I fought the good fight. I kept the faith. I finished off well. He understood that his perspective had to change. It couldn't be something quickly done. It wasn't about the here and now. It wasn't about let me get results or else I quit. No, it was about the steady pace of following through. No matter what, if you didn't see it, you still followed through. My coach used to say to me, even though you do not see the finish line, the finish line is, is there despite it. You just have to take your time. Pace yourself. We never know how long our personal journey will last here on earth. God may take you or I home today or tomorrow. Therefore, we need to run with purpose, with new perspective, removing all that entangles us, all that hinders us from running well. Because 1 Corinthians 9.24 says, do you not know that the race, that in the race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. We are all in the midst of a race, beloved learning as we go along and continually drawing strength from the resources that God gives us. So what are those resources that he's given us to run the race well? His presence, the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, the people of God, the resources. God surrounded us so that we can actually be accountable to one another and have the strength and the encouragement to run this race but in order to obtain the prize, we need to change the way we approach our training and change our perspective in regards to our training. As I said earlier on, there is a vast difference between sprinters and those who run marathons. It's not in skill, but it's in how we think and how we train for this race. My experience as a sprinter told me to hold nothing back to focus on short bursts of energy to bring me to the finish line. There was no need to pace myself as a sprinter. There was, any, there was no time to do that. It, I gave it all of my energy and I ran for all I was worth. But when I switched from being a sprinter to a long distance runner, I quickly realized that I required a different perspective. I needed strength, I needed endurance, I needed stamina. I didn't have any of those when I started. So I pushed myself too quickly at the beginning of the race and found myself hitting that wall that I was talking about. And that wall feels like your lungs are going to explode, your muscles are in pain, and all you want to do is quit and give up. 
And that's when your other players and the people that are running with you will say, hey, listen, don't do it. Get up, push through the wall. But as a sprinter, I hit that wall too soon, too readily, and because of it, I never were able to finish the race well. As I started learning how to perceive and how to view this race differently, I started equipping myself in a different way started changing the way I thought about the race. And I soon discovered there was a different, there was a mentality that came along with a sprinter and with a runner. And so I started pacing myself. I started measuring out a little bit all these things. And then I started realizing that as I moved on and I became a Christian, that I brought those two mentalities with me. See, as I do life, certain situations, when I'm faced with a problem, maybe you can actually see this in your own life, uh, that needs a quick solution, I hold nothing back. I give it all in order to bring a resolution to the problem very quickly. That's my sprinter mentality. Let's do it. I'm like a Pac-Man. Give me a task, I'll eat it. All right? But that sprinter mentality didn't do me well when it came to training myself spiritually. Because nothing is instant in training. You see, we've just started this challenge about seven weeks ago, and we asked you to develop spiritual disciplines. That's training. We asked you to learn how to be skillful in righteousness. This is knowledge about what God is asking you to do and how you're going to inform and also obey what you are reading. He, we asked you to do all that, but some of you right now are hitting a wall because you started too quickly, and you went and you gave it all in. You go, I'm going to do this. I'm going to finish. And all of a sudden, you're feeling that, that your lungs are going to collapse, you know, that you don't have the strength to continue. And you're feeling like you're failing in this race. But I have to tell you, it's because you have the wrong mentality. If you want to run this race and finish it, because, you know, after a 100-day celebration, which we're going to have April 1st, I know you understand that this marathon mentality will be something you'll have to discover until you die. Until you'll get so good at seeing things the way God wants you to see things, you will see it the way he's saying to see it. And when you are faced with situation that requires you to wait upon God, what's going to happen is that your perspective will change. You see, when I know that I can't make a decision right off the bat, I go to my, 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 my marathon mentality. Pace yourself, Mona. Measure out a little bit here and there. Because you see, I have to wait for God's direction. I have to wait until he leads me. I have to wait. And so when I do that, what happens, and while I'm waiting, I train myself to govern those emotions. I train myself to seek him and to pace my steps until he gets me direction. And then when I do, I run with focus. But when we are sprinters, we don't stay long enough to hear God. As believers, we need to develop a marathon mentality as we train in order to persevere. People with marathon, mar, uh, marathon mentality are willing to work out their salvation and their journey of faith because they know it's, about, it's not about the here and now, but it's what, to, what is to come. And let me finish with this. You see, when you develop a different perspective and you change your thoughts, on your training, and you say, God, I'm not doing this to get something. I'm not earning from you. I already have everything. This is about me finishing my race. 
God's already given me grace. He's already given me power. He's already stated that I'm more than an overcomer. I'm more than victorious. He's already done it. Now my training is about me finishing off well. So he says this in 2 Corinthians 4, 16, 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, what does he say? Not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. When we pursue God, we instinctively know not to run ahead. If we have the right perspective, we will know not to run ahead with our emotions. We will know that our emotions are not a good place to start making decisions. We know that we are in this for the long haul, and it's not about the here and now. We don't run aimlessly because we run with the goal to win the prize. And the prize, really, beloved, is the reward that we are going to receive when we get to heaven, in which I'm going to talk about the last, the last, the last uh, part of this. What is that? What, what's the crown that we're going to receive, and what does that look like? But for now, you need to understand that you have to approach pursuing God, not with a sprinter mentality, because you will lose energy. You will be quickly uh, unable to stay focused. You will hit that wall. You'll become bored with that challenge that we've given you. And you will not see the finish line. You will quit and you will give up. When this happens, beloved, we will, need, we will start wavering in our intent to put God first. Little things we'll start compromising with. Little things we'll start letting go of. You see, beloved, this is all about that sprinter's mentality when we're looking for an instant result. But when it comes to God and his, his process, there's nothing instant about it. Why? Because have you ever done anything instant with a relationship? Can you instantly fall in love? I'm sorry, the movies say yes, it's not true. <laughs> not if you're using the measurement of God for love. Because let me tell you, love is hard, and it's a choice. And there's indicators if you're doing it, but most of us, we actually have a different measurement. So we need to understand that if this is what's happening, and your, your intent to pursue God has waned, and you're losing heart, you need to get yourself back up. You need to take away the dust from your knees and say, God, I'm up one more time. I'm going to go. I'm going to develop how to run this race with a different perspective, with a heart of faith. I'm not going to base it on my emotions. I am not going to go because I feel something, because feeling is not believing, beloved. And just because we know it doesn't mean that we believe it, and it doesn't mean that we rely on it. The only way that we know that we are continuing well is you have to see the follow-through. Your intent is one thing, but you have to follow through on the obedience. God, you're telling me one thing. I'm going to get up today. I'm under grace, not under law. God loves me. He's compassionate. He wants me to win this race. He's given me everything to win the race, but I have to do the training. I want to grow spiritually. So if you've hit the wall, get up. Get up, I promise you. 
Keep on running forward because James 1.12 says this, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. To finish off well, we need a marathon, marathon abilities and skill to fight a good fight and to set our mind on Christ to finish our race and to keep the faith. We need to keep our eyes on the, on the facts before us, beloved. God has not abandoned us. But there are many things that you guys are doing that is hindering your ability to run well. I can't remove those hindrances. You will have to do that. I can't run the race with you, but I can run by you. I can run and wave at you, hopefully not while I'm passing you. So it's just like, get <laughs> no, that's not good. Uh, but, you know, we're all in this race together. Some of us have more stamina than others, okay? <laughs> Some of us endure better than others. But let's just all race towards that finish line. God loves us, and he desires us to run this race right to the finish. I'm going to ask the worship to come up. Remember the, the, the quote that I gave you at the beginning? Beginning well is a momentary thing. If you've begun with the Lord, it was very momentary when you've done it. But now finishing well is a lifelong thing. I love Paul when he says this. You see, Paul understood this mentality. He knew nothing was quick in God's economy. God will use everything. He wastes nothing. And he's transforming us, beloved. He's changing us from glory to glory and from image to image. Everything that we struggle with, you Put your hope. You be firmly persuaded that what God says he can do. Paul says this, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me. Who called me? Who called you? Yes. And where are we going? Heavenward in Christ Jesus. So for all of you who know God, pick yourself up. Hitting the wall is all part of our training, beloved. And once you start realizing the wall is not a brick wall, it's a paper wall. You're just going to push yourself through it. And you're going to finish. You're going to get to the finish line. And for you that don't know God here today, that you realize you're, you're running a race too. You're just not running it with God. The author of this book uses two themes to describe our life, how we're going to run. He talks about the picture of the race, but he also talks about citizens of a heavenly life, a heavenly city. So what he said in those times in that culture, people could not run unless they belonged to that nation. We can't run with God unless we belong with God. Do you understand that? You can have a concept, you can believe that God exists, but you will not tap into all of the resources as his children have. And so we need to understand, first we have to acknowledge, I can't run this race, and I need God. I'm powerless to actually run and to finish. We have to come to that conclusion, because we're so, sometimes, I'm telling you, I, I, I never understand the depths of my arrogance at times that I could be independent of God. I, 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 I'm still running this race going, oh, my goodness, I'm so glad you love me. Uh, because he does. He's just so awesome. So you have to acknowledge your need 
to bring God into this race. Secondly, you have to believe that you need him in order to do it. You need him. You need what Jesus did for you so that you can communicate with God and tap into all the resources you have. And secondly, thirdly, you have to confess that Jesus is Lord. That means you have to let go of the reins. Ah, we don't do that too well. But let me tell you, how much of you holding on to the reins, how has it been working for you? I think all of you have a story. Today is really about, God, I'm letting go and I'm letting you. Help me run this race. I know you've already seen me walking in victory. I need to train myself now. Can you stand? Let's sing this song together. If any of you need prayer because you've hit that wall and you need to be encouraged, you come on up, let us pray for you. For those that don't know the Lord, you have to receive Christ first. And when you do, he gives you all that you need to run this race and to finish it well. Hallelujah. Praise God that he will overcome the world. And if he's overcome the world, he's going to give us the ability to overcome no matter what we're going through. Amen. Let's just bow our heads and let's just pray today. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are such a great God. You are a God that is faithful, Lord, that is true to your word. You are unstoppable, unmovable, God, unshakable. God, we thank you, Lord, that you stay true to us as well as your people. We ask, Lord, for your presence. We ask for an anointing and a deeper revelation of your love in our lives. Lord, we also ask, Lord, that you would show us the reason why we train strictly, that we train well, Lord. It's about this race. God, I ask you, Lord, for a different revelation for all of them, Lord. Open up heaven for them. Let them sense your presence, your compassion, your forgiveness, your love. That, God, you are just developing us, Lord, to be great runners, Lord. We thank you for the truth today. We thank you for what you're going to do in our lives. And we believe today that you are who you say you are, King of kings and Lord of lords. And we are firmly persuaded that you've heard our heart cry today. And I pray, Lord, all of these things in Jesus' name.